Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. I'm excited to share this message. If you see in your sermon notes, we're beginning this series on freedom, how to win the battles in your mind. And I think it's appropriate on 4th of July to start this out and, and talk about tools to really know the freedom. You know, many people, just like in our political world, many people have been freed because of what our forefathers did, but don't enjoy all of it. Many people, the same with Christ. They, they know Jesus died, Jesus took my sin, but yet they still live bound. <laughs> They know it intellectually, but not emotionally. They're not experiencing uh, the greatness of the freedom. Heard a true story about a, a fellow who, who was a child of an immigrant, but his parents died when he was young. He didn't really know exactly where he came from, and he was, he was here, but he was always afraid of getting caught, and he, he, he thought he was just you know illegal, so he lived always hiding and always fearful, Finally, when he was an adult, he said, I'm going to just turn myself in. And when he went in, they looked him up and they said, sir, you were born in San Antonio, Texas. You are a citizen, man. You are free. And yet he didn't live that freedom because he didn't stand on the truth of who he really was. Look at this verse in Galatians 5.1, what Jesus says. And it's so powerful. Um, actually, the Apostle Paul, Galatians 5.1 says, why don't we read it with with each together. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Somebody say, stand firm. And do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You were made to be free. Don't you like that picture of freedom where the yoke of slavery, the yoke of, of just feeling that weight of life is just taken off of your shoulders and you're able to just enjoy life. Um, one pastor took a survey of some of, describe what freedom feels like. And one person wrote, it's like the last payment on my student loan. <laughs> That's pretty good. Another student said, it's like the last day of school and summer begins. Uh, I like this couple said, it's dropping off all four kids at grandma's house and going for a long weekend away <laughs> in the mountains. Another person said, it's having a terrible prison sentence possible in hearing the words, you're not guilty. One brother wrote, it's after years of struggling with pornography, coming to a moment of temptation, and for the first time realizing that my desire to be clean and sober was greater than my desire to give in, and I walked away free. You know, God wants there to be freedom in every area, your emotions, freedom from addiction, freedom just in your relationships, to really be who you are in every way. To enjoy freedom, though, we have to know what freedom in Christ is. Uh, I love Jesus said in John 8, 36, whoever knows the Son shall be free indeed. Completely free, totally free, always free. Wow, that's something I'm still waiting to fully realize. But what is freedom? Freedom is the power to live in the joy, peace, and self-control of the Holy Spirit. Not being bound to anything but Jesus. It's being able on the inside to know the blessing of God no matter what circumstance you're in. You know, I know some people think freedom is when that day comes, I have too much money, all the kids behave perfectly, 
Nothing bad happens at work. There's no traffic. I just, I, I just have all, everything together. Well, good luck on that one. <laughs> or if it happens, the, the other 364 days of the year, you're going to need something better. But you know, when Paul wrote about freedom, he wrote from a prison cell. He wrote these words in Philippians 4.11. He says, it doesn't matter where I'm in, what state I'm in, I am content. I am fully alive, full of joy. I can do all things through Christ. Freedom is, is, is not about your circumstance, about an ability to respond to those that, that lives above them. It's, it's, I used to sing a song, this joy that you give, Jesus, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that you give, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Amen? This peace that I have, the traffic didn't give it to me. The traffic didn't give it, and the traffic can't take it away. It's, it's the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is in charge. There's freedom. There's a joy. And it, and it comes from how we respond and how we think. And, uh, you know, last year we got this brand new hot water heater in our house. And, you know, we, we've been there for over 20 years and so excited. It was expensive. Well, a month later it stopped working. And, uh, and called the repairman, fixed it. Another month it's not working. I wasn't feeling free. I was just, oh, and then they tell me, the, uh, the warranty's expired. And, and all of a sudden, I'm just starting to go crazy. Ah, ah, ah. And, and, and the Lord says, Dale, why are you letting a water heater steal your freedom? <laughs> I said, that's right, Lord. I give this to you. And, and, and joy came. Hallelujah. But so much of our life, we forfeit freedom because of what we let the enemy get into our thinking, right? And so I want to talk today about freedom begins in the mind. Freedom comes by learning to think from God's perspective. Freedom is winning the battle. Do you want to know where the battlefield of battlefields, the Gettysburg, it's right between your ears. <laughs> it, it's, it's where Jesus said it this way, John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, somebody help me, and the truth will make you free. When you think from God's perspective with the Holy Spirit, you will live in joy. You will live in total freedom. Now, when you think in your perspective, look at this verse, Romans 8, verses uh, 5 and 6, a very important verse, Romans 8, 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh or, or selfishness, what makes them selfish? They have their minds set on the flesh, what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life. If you put the Holy Spirit in charge of your thoughts, guess what? Peace. If you let your thoughts be in charge of you, guess what? Death. When you have God's perspective, you have God's peace. When you have the wrong perspective, you have anxiety. And what we're talking about is how to give the Spirit control of your thoughts so that you can walk in freedom. This is so huge because the Bible teaches this about our thoughts, that 
our life flows in the direction of our thinking. The outcomes are determined by thoughts. A Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he becomes. Can you tell me this? Where are your thoughts heading today? If they're heading towards fear, guess where you're going to end up? Fear. If they're headed towards anger, you, you start to build that anger, guess what? There's a bad explosion coming. But if your thoughts are headed towards, towards the truth of God and who he is, you're, in a, you're going in a great direction in your life. I believe with all my heart, what we're going to learn over these weeks is you change your life one thought at a time, choosing, one, choosing that next thought can allow you to come in mind. Like I said, your life is headed for blessing or bondage depending on what you think today. And God wants to begin to move you to a new place in your life. As I said, the spiritual battleground is in our mind. It's not in the world. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. I know some of you think the real battle is that jerk at work, you know. The real battle is traffic. The real battle is I don't have enough money. No, those are symptoms. The real battle is how are you gonna respond in your mind? Are you gonna have God's power with you? Or are you gonna just let your selfish nature take over? Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three and five. It's a very important scripture. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war. Did you know there is a war going on? There is this one called Satan. In John 10, it says he comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Did you know right now there are incoming missiles trying to come into your emotional life? You see, the devil can't touch your spirit. That's with God. So he goes after your mind. And he says you need weapons against these things. So he says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not, you know, they're not anger. They're not, you know, pressure. They're the contrary. We have divine power through the spirit to demolish. Somebody say demolish <laughs> strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, say with me, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I want to teach over these next four weeks, and, and Jason's going to also, I want to teach you how to be a thought warrior, to make every thought obey Jesus. This will change your life. I'm just telling you. God has a plan to reprogram your mind. Romans 12, 2 says that don't be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Someone said, well, how do you become like Jesus? You become like Jesus by believing what Jesus believed. <laughs> you see, you accept his salvation by believing what he did, but you become like him by believing what he believes, by, by thinking how he thinks about this world. It transforms you at the deepest level. Now, the other problem is if you go with what Satan is trying to bring to your mind, 
The Bible says it will lead you to a stronghold. Do you notice that? It says we are demolishing strongholds. That was a fortress in an old ancient city where the enemies would hide and wage war. And the Bible says what Satan is trying to do is to get a foothold in your mind. How I many of you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile, right? He's trying to get a hold of the way you think. Because if he does, he'll start to control. T.D. Jakes, and I have this in your notes, I thought it was an incredible quote. He describes what a stronghold is. He says, a stronghold is a lie that became an identity, a temptation that becomes an addiction, a negative experience that becomes a permanent fear, a bad emotion that becomes a predictable reaction, a lie that becomes a label, a failure that becomes an excuse, a bad situation that becomes a negative you. It starts with with a thought, but it's like a thought, like a seed that you put in the garden, and it's this terrible weed, you know? And, and if you let it be there, it will someday grow fruit. The enemy is trying to, to plant seeds about your family, about your marriage, about your finance, about your emotional being. And I don't know about you, but I know exactly what it's like when he starts to bombard my mind with thoughts. He speaks thoughts of temptations. He'll tell you, everybody's doing it. Go ahead. And then you do it. Guess what? He, he, then he comes to the accuser. Do you know this one? Shame on you. You are scum. Wow. Yeah, one minute you're saying everybody. Now next minute you're saying you're a loser, man. Don't ever go to church again. He, he's attacking your identity. He's saying, once an addict, you're always an addict. He's putting a label on you. Oh, yeah, you're an ex-con. You're never going anywhere. He's telling you about who you are. Well, you're, you know, your papa was poor. You're going to be poor. Everybody's poor in your family. He's lying. Someone recently heard someone say, well, I discovered that I'm bisexual. No, you're, that's a lie. You're not that. But if you believe it. Now, here's the point. The point is that when you believe a lie, it begins to have the same power over your life as the truth would. It begins to take over. I'm not enough. I'll never make it. That may be as false as it can be, but if you believe it, you are now a prisoner. There's a story about Houdini, this great escape artist, and he would go into these towns and pull off this trick. He'd have them lock him up in the city jail, and, and then within minutes, he'd, he'd uh, escape. Well, one day, this one prison guard kind of played a trick on him, put him in prison, and, and took the key and unlocked the prison door. So he starts working his magic and keeps locking himself in. Finally, he says, I give up. I can't get out. How many know there are Christians today that are living in prison cells that are unlocked? They could walk out anytime, but they don't believe it. They're captives of their mind, and they're held prison. Can I tell you, fear is, is the biggest lie, because the Bible says God is your stronghold and strength. <laughs> of what should you be afraid? But oh, how it comes in an intimidating thought, a feeling of a reaction of hopelessness. And if you let it in, it, it builds a fortress by which the enemy can keep attacking your mind and stealing your peace and sobriety and joy 
But here's the truth about strongholds. Number one, we have the power to demolish them. Did you know that you have inside of you, if you're a Christian, the same Holy Spirit, I call him the stone-moving resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that took the stone away that can demolish any stronghold of the devil in your life. And Paul would say, oh God, just open their understanding to who they really are, the inheritance that they have. So they stop believing these lies and start becoming the mighty men and women of God they really are. Satan's lies and attacks, they are actually opportunities that you can rewrite your story. Some of us have heard the same lie, same reaction for so many years. We fall prey to it over and over. Oh, how am I gonna pray, play my bills? Oh, I'm gonna freak out. I'm gonna get mad. I'm gonna yell at somebody. I'm gonna, okay, we've already lived that script over and over and over. What if instead you said, I am rewriting that with the truth of God? Can I, can I tell you how this works? The Bible makes it very clear. When you look at your life, Maybe you have these terrible emotions, panic, depression, whatever they are. The Bible says it's like a big sticker bush, if you can imagine this. And the sticker bush has these fruit, and the fruits are those terrible feelings. Now, you can cut off the fruit. You can cut off the branch, but is that going to make you better? I mean, we have these painful things in our life. We say, I know what I'll do. I'll do what I did every day. I'm going to go watch 10 hours of Netflix. That'll medicate me. Or my favorite, I'm going to have a, some chocolate ice cream. Woo! Or whatever your go-to medication is. I'm going to have a rage fit. And I'm going to blow up and then everything, I'll feel better because we've done this forever. And everybody runs from you. And Does that fix anything? No. It's all the same story day after day because there is a root to the fruit and the root is a lie that's inside of you that you keep believing. In Matthew 3.10, Jesus says, I want to take the ax, the word of God, to the root of the tree. I want to go to those deep ways of thinking and I want to change you from the inside out. Until suddenly the fruit is, is no longer raised. The fruit is, oh, total peace. Why? Because I know the truth. God is doing a work on the inside that sets us free. He wants to help us switch from a, a stronghold to a victor's mindset. You know, the most powerful thing you could ever have in your life is what I call a biblical life stance an attitude, a way of thinking about life that's grounded in a decision to believe the promises, to be a person who doesn't wake up as a victim anymore, but who wakes up with a mindset that says, I know who I am in Christ. This is the day the Lord has made. Greater is he that is in me. I'm gonna rejoice in the Lord. I can overcome because of who he is. I am overcoming now through the power of Jesus. And you just begin to live with the spiritual strength and joy and authority, and everybody in your life gets a blessing. Oh, parents, if you would live in victory, the difference it would make for your kids. Oh, to live with a parent who walks in joy, I cannot tell you. Instead of letting your kids live in, in the presence of chaos, 
It all starts with the truth deep inside of you. I believe one word of God's truth can totally change the trajectory of your life. I tell people early in my ministry, when I was in my 30s, I went through a season of chronic depression. I mean, literally, you know, the whole thing. Medication, the whole thing. And I could not figure it out. I was, I was in a place where I had this overwhelming stronghold of a need for approval of people. And I, I, I would always be trying to prove myself. And then I had what the counselor called an overscrupulous conscience. I, I always felt like a failure. Oh, you're so stupid. And I, and I would blame myself. And then, and then I had this overwhelming performance thing where, where if I was working for the church, I felt like I was abandoning my family. If I was working for my family, I felt like I was abandoning the church. I was on this crazy merry-go-round of depression. I wasn't sleeping. And over a season... God began to slowly help me. That's why I say one thought at a time. I had a friend that would give me a scripture verse every day. One thought at a time. And one day, can I tell you, the most powerful thing in the universe is when the Holy Spirit speaks a revelation to your heart through the word of God. Oh, friend, it's the ax laid to the root. And I was there in this time of prayer and the Spirit of God is as real to me today as then. It just was a word that said something like, Dale, if you never preach another sermon again, if you never perform another step again, I will love you. You are my treasure. You are not what people think you are. You're not who you think you are. You are who I say you are, and you are my beloved, and you will not be defeated. You will rise from this. It will not overcome you. I don't know how to say it, but suddenly it was like this big wrecking ball and the big attack of Satan. He just took it out and peace came and I've not walked in depression in over 30 years can I tell you your future could change with one word from the Holy Spirit today the hymn a mighty fortress is our God Martin Luther wrote though this world with devils filled would threaten to undo us we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness dim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. One word from God has power to tear the gates of hell off your life, to set you free. Now, I want to share a story. If you've got your Bibles, you can meet me in 1 Kings 19. And just of a man who was set free from depression. His name was Elijah. And I want to talk to you about ways that a, a stronghold of darkness can become turned into a victorious mindset. The bondage of old thinking can become a breakthrough into new ways of living and seeing life. Many of you would recognize the name Elijah. He's a hero. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament times when Jezebel the queen and Ahab turned the nation of Israel into paganism, into the worship of Baal, took over the altars of God. Only Elijah, it seemed, was standing against them. He brought a word from the Lord that brought drought. Then he had this big old event 
at Mount Carmel. I used to call it the shootout at the OK Corral, but it was really the prophets of Baal, 900 of them, 950 against Elijah. And in the middle of that, he calls fire down from heaven. And God does something incredible. Now you think the rest of that story is, man, Elijah, he just is like on fire. He is just rejoicing. He is just cruising. He is just so happy. No, let's take up from there. Chapter 19, verse one, look what happens. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. This lady gives him one little threat, okay? And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die, okay? Suicidal. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Somebody say a gentle whisper. And when Elisha heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here? Elijah, now I want you to see how many know even great people can have meltdowns? <laughs> I mean, even prophets of God, okay? I want you to notice also sometimes the deepest lows come after the biggest highs, right? I mean, he was on top of the mountain. Have you ever been there? It's like, whoa, you're up here, and then wham. And, and I want you to know that in those times, Something that we defeated a few days. I mean, he had been victorious over Jezebel for a long time, but now all of a sudden, his armor was down. <laughs> and fear of her took him out. But he makes this amazing rebound. We don't have time to, to finish the story now, but he literally becomes his greatest days. He raised up a lot. He does amazing things. But I want you to see steps from steps from the cave. And I, and I love this picture of the cave. How many feel like this pandemic was like being in a cave? And it's like, wow, it's dark. 
And, and many people, even with the vaccine, they say, well, there's hope. But no, there still is hopeless because it's not a cave out here. It's a cave in here. Hopelessness and depression is epidemic. It's the frontline battle of our culture today. But God has a solution. And, and here, here they are. Number one was to recognize those times of vulnerability and to just realize that God is there not condemning you, but helping you. I, I love how it goes. It says, you know, here he is. He's laying there. You think God would come along and say, shame on you, uh, Elijah. What's wrong with you? Where's your faith? And no, God comes and says, hey, get some lunch, man. <laughs> Take a nap. How many like that word from the Lord? <laughs> Some of you are claiming that lunch word right now. Hallelujah. But you just, just take a nap. You know what you're saying? I'm not condemning you, Elijah. I'm for you. Now, why is that so important? Because when you're in a dark time, the voice you hear, and sometimes you mistake it for God, is a voice that shames you. What's wrong with you? And I want you to know because when you start, some people, when the devil comes, how many know he likes to disguise himself as God sometimes? A wolf in sheep's clothing, a, a, an angel, he comes. And I've known many Christians, he, he spoke that to me. You know, you, you have committed the unpardonable sin. You're never going to make it. And I thought, man, God, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't God. You know how you don't? You can always test a word. If it's from God, you can tell by the fruit. God's word does not produce fear. It does not produce chaos. It does not produce guilt. It produces peace. And so, so God just says, come on, man. I'm here. You know, a psychiatrist said that during these times of the depression, mind, your mind will have up to 500, in one day, will have up to 500 unintentional, intrusive thoughts with negative feelings and forecasts. That's two and a half hours. Anybody ever been there? Probably in the pandemic, it was six hours. And you just are bombarded. You're just not good enough. You're never getting out of this. Your, your marriage doesn't have a chance. Your kids are all going to jail. You're, you're gonna just get sick. You're not even gonna live through next year. You're the next one to die. Thoughts from the pit of hell trying to become a seed that becomes a root that becomes a destiny. What does God want us to do? What he, what he wants us to do is just to pour out our hearts to him. And that's what Elijah does. It's beautiful. You know, he's just honest. You know, Philippians 4 says, when you feel anxiety, just talk to God. Share with him your supplications, your groanings, your frustrations. Reveal the darkness in your heart to him. He knows it anyway. But by doing that, you'll position yourself for peace to make an entrance. And, and can you relate to any, if we go through the list, I could show you some of, some of his prayer because we've all felt this way. God, everything I've done has been wasted. <laughs> or how about this one? I'm the only one. I'm the only one who cares. Or number three, I am not going to survive. Nobody cares anymore about what I have to say. I am ineffective. I am too old. I am used up. It was all a waste of time anyhow. 
Why did I ever even try to be a Christian? It's hopeless. Some of you have felt those. That's what, what he was saying. I feel God. God just says, come on, come on. C.S. Lewis said, the prayer offered in a state of despair is the prayer that pleases God the most. When you just come. Secondly, step into an encounter with Jesus. And this is so beautiful. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for medication or whatever. But nothing compares to an encounter with Jesus. To stepping in God's presence and hearing that gentle voice undetonating the bombs of regret, darkness inside of you. Can I tell you about an encounter with the Lord? It, 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 you set yourself in, and, and many times, it's after the storm, it's after the agony. It didn't come right away, but suddenly, because he's willing to step to the front of the cave and say, God, here I am, I'm ready. This gentle voice. What does it do? Three things. Here's how you're set free in your mind. Number one, it allows God to expose the lie. God begins to say, no, you're not the only one, Elijah. There's 7,000 who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Can I tell you the first step out of despair is you have to expose and confront the lies that you believe. Can I just tell you, it's not enough to just hope the lies go away. No, you have to stand up to fear, look at it in the eyeball, and say to it, that's a lie. That's a lie. There's a story of General Wainwright, who was a general during the World War II. He was in a Japanese prison camp for four years, and and he was to totally tortured, the whole thing. And finally, the Allies liberate the, the concentration uh, camp. And, and they say, by the way, General Wainwright, you're now in charge. But by that time, his mind is just so beat down. He's like just walking through, like stunned. And, and, and he comes across some of the old prison guards. And they, and they start mocking him. And it's like he's there, and then all of a sudden, something rises up in his spirit. And he stands up, and he says, be silent. I am now in authority here. You are defeated. We have won, and you cannot speak to me anymore that way. <laughs> and it was like something switched. Can I tell you, there are lies inside of you. They've been there for years. Why don't they go away? Because you just ignore them. You need to tell and recognize that is a lie. I am not unworthy. I am not condemned. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me. I, I am not my past. I, I am not you expose the lie and you replace it with the truth. This is what Jesus did when he was being tempted in the wilderness. One lie after another, Satan says, man, 
you know, kind of just jump off. There's no way that you're going to get there. You don't want to have to die, Jesus. Just, and finally, Jesus stares down the lies and he says, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone. And, and, and then the third thing is he makes a declaration. We do this all of the time, but it is so huge. When you give thanks to God in the middle of a storm, you are rebelling against the status quo of the kingdom of darkness. When you refuse to give in to despair and you choose to de- just to rejoice in the Lord, you begin to say who you are. You begin to declare what Christ has done for you. It breaks the atmosphere over your life. I love how it says in verse 13 that Elijah pulls the cloak over him, which was the mantle of a prophet. He had been hiding, he forgot who he was, but all of a sudden he puts on his identity again. And he says, oh yeah, I'm a prophet of the Lord. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror. Here's an example of what I wrote this morning when I got up. Thank you, Jesus, for the absolute victory that you won on the cross. Today, I choose to live in your love and joy and peace. The power of past hurts have been broken. God, my inheritance is to live worry-free, for you have been made unto me righteousness. God, all of your promises are mine. I live without guilt. I stand with mountain-moving faith because you live in me. Bitterness no longer controls any part of my life, for I am free from bitterness by the forgiveness of God. No evil gets under my skin. I will never be a victim. For by God's redeeming grace, he will restore the years the locusts have eaten. He will turn graves into gardens. He will bring good out of every evil that people have done to me. I will rise and finish my course. I will enjoy my family today. They will be blessed because all that I do and touch is blessed of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know what that does? That's that life stance that puts on a different atmosphere. So let me explain it this way. Prayer is talking to God about our problems. Spiritual warfare is talking to our problems about God. It's like David telling the giant, fear you have no hold on me. I love what it says in Luke 21, 28. It says, Jesus is talking about the end of times and talking about it's gonna be a crazy time. There's gonna be rumors. There's gonna be conspiracy theories right and left. There's going to be threats of war. There's going to be plagues that hit the world. Just go read the newspaper. And then Jesus said, this is how it's going to be right before I come back. And you'd think he'd say, now, now try not to be too depressed. But listen to what he says in Luke 21, 28. I don't know if we have that verse, but I just love it. He says, when you face all of this junk, when these things begin to take place, stand up. And lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. (laughs) that good? Woo, Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. The last part of the story goes on two more things to walk out of the cave. God reminds him of his purpose and calls him to his partner. Go find Elisha. Remember, Elijah, you are a prophet. 
Can I tell you why Satan attacks you? It's not just because he likes to see you have pain. It's to divert you from your mission. It's to get you chasing your tail, going through the motions so you forget why God put you on this planet to turn this world upside down. And he's called you to do that not alone, but as a team. He's called you to find your Elishas. Can I tell you the two things I've seen during this pandemic that most keep people down? Number one is isolation. If he can keep you isolated, he can keep you trapped. But number two is introspection. Focusing on me, focusing, oh, my life, and how am I ever going to get better, and how do I No. Victory doesn't come from that. It comes from knowing your purpose and saying, I will not be stopped. It's, it's, it's amazing, this guy, Viktor Frankl, this great psychiatrist who survived the Nazi Holocaust and the whole thing in concentration camp, but he would treat these people who had been through that after the war, and... Many of them got help, but then 10 years later, they were depressed again, and he kept trying to understand, and he finally found out the problem. They, were, they had money. They had a good life, but what was wrong? They had no meaning. They had lots to live on and nothing to live for. They were self-absorbed, and he wrote a whole book about meaning, and he says, if you really want to overcome depression, you have to live for something bigger than yourself. You have to think and serve the poor. You cannot stay here isolated, thinking about you and expect your mental health to be different. Even when I was at my worst, the Lord told me, I remember he told me, go Friday nights and preach the gospel on Juarez. Go in front of the bars and start giving out food and start sharing the gospel with the, G, G, with the GIs. Over. It was so funny. But anyhow, I was like, I might die, but I'm gonna do this. Did you know every time I stepped out of me, I felt more free. And I'm saying this because I believe with all my heart that post-pandemic, the Holy Spirit is giving reassignments to every one of us. He is saying this is a season. Don't miss this. This is for such a time. I'm giving you an assignment, a purpose for the next months to a world that's gone through hell, a world that's falling apart. You've got to stand up. This is your hour. This is your time. This is your responsibility. I want you to go and bring good news. I want you to go bring hope. I want you to begin to care for people. I want you to get beyond the cave. And if you'll go in my name, not only will you be free, but you'll set the captives free all around you in this world. That's what he's saying. And so as we close, let me just share this. God wants to meet you in the cave where the enemy has come in like a flood. That is where, I'm telling you, Elijah went on to his greatest days. And I'll just tell you this little story real quick. I had my own cave experience. I was uh, like 13 years old. I decided for some reason, there was this drainage pipe under the highway and I decided to go exploring the pipes in El Paso. I didn't have a flashlight or anything, so I crawled in this three-foot hole about a half a mile. I don't know how far I was under there. Now, I learned a whole lot about caves. Let me tell you the three things I learned. Number one, when you're in a cave long enough, you lose your perspective. 
Number two, you start to believe lies, all right? All of a sudden, I started to think, somebody's following me. And then even weirder, I said, I think I hear coyotes. They're coming to eat me. And then the next thing you do is you turn a temptation into a stronghold by reacting and doing stupid things. So I started running like this. And then there was a stake coming down from the roof and I ran straight into it and cracked open my skull. Now I'm laying on the ground, <laughs> bleeding. I was unconscious for a minute. And, and there as I'm laying there, all I can do is say, God, help. Help me, God. It was, it was just an incredible moment because I don't even know how it happened, but the next thing I knew, I was, I was walking again, pouring down blood. But literally, I know the angel of the Lord, just like he did with Elijah, was carrying me. And, and I saw this light. Of course, it was the light at the end of the tunnel, but it was so much more than that. Every time I would stare at it, it was just like inside I heard said, you will be okay. You will make it. You are going to survive. You have a future. It was suddenly I just, this thing rose in me and all of a sudden it was clear where I was, but what was happening and God was with me and God is bigger than this problem. And next thing I know, I'm out of the tunnel. Somebody amazingly finds me, takes me to the hospital, but. I started to think about that event as it relates to some of us here today. We find ourselves somewhere in a very dark place. We just sort of wandered into it, but the further along we go, the darker it became. Maybe it was a darkness of depression or a darkness of rage, a darkness of addiction. We start to lose our perspective and all of these lies start to fill our mind. Then all of a sudden, what do we do? We react wrongly. We just let it become a stronghold. We just go deeper and deeper. And finally, we collapse. Literally at a point where we could lose it all. But in that moment, just like Elijah was, God is there. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 4 that says, the God who said, let there be light. When the creation of the world, we know there was chaos, but in the middle of chaos, God spoke. said, let there be light. Everything came together. This verse says, this same God today will shine into the darkness of your heart. You see, the enemy has blinded us and has captured us with these dark lies. But he says, there's a light that'll be greater. And he'll shine to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory that's in the face of Jesus Christ. If you will come to him, if you will begin to just say, God, I, I need you, suddenly he will begin to give you insight of the truth. You will hear that gentle whisper. And as you start to walk towards it, the truth will get bigger and bigger and the darkness will stay behind you. One step at a time, choosing one truth, God will bring you out. 
into a place of freedom. Would you bow with me in prayer? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I'm going to invite Sue to come. She's has a word too. But Holy Spirit, would you come on this place? For any of us, Lord, wherever that place is where we let our heart become dark. I speak to someone who has a secret sin, a secret life, and it's tormenting you, and you don't think you can ever break out of it. But today, if you will ask God, he will break into that place of addiction and darkness. He will give you faith to walk out. To someone under prison of depression and anxiety, he has a word for your heart today to awaken you. To someone who's completely today still living in a trauma of a loss, feeling that your life is over. Jesus has a word for you. He's waiting for you just to call. If you're here today and you're not sure of your relationship with God, please just ask him, help me, God. Just be honest with him. Say, forgive me, God. Come in. And we want to say a special prayer for you. And I don't, I'm not going to make you come up for anything, but I felt there's something, this word I kept seeing in every word I read. Stand, stand, stand. <laughs> stand up for truth, stand. If you just feel like, Pastor, I just need a breakthrough. I just need the light of God. I need something to break through for, from God for me today. I want to invite you just to stand wherever you are, right there at your seat. I'm going to, we're going to pray for you. Just stand right now. Stand to say, God, I need your help. Sue, would you like to just speak a word over that? Jesus, come. Yeah, I also felt um, like it's Independence Day, not just for our country, but us. And, you know, uh, this is just an amazing portion of Scripture. And there was this mighty wind and an earthquake and a fire. And these past months, that's happened to us in some degree in all of our hearts. And the word I felt this morning was that the Lord was telling me, I'm eager. I am eager to come and impart to you exactly what your soul needs. And so he didn't, he wasn't in the pain. He wasn't in those elements of the wind, the earthquake and the fire, but he came with a whisper. And a whisper is intimate. You have to lean in to hear that. So right now, he's telling you, just go ahead. Tell me what's in your heart. Tell me what's hurting. You can speak that to him. And I think there's an activation that's going to goes with this. And I might kind of reverse Dale's word just a little bit, but... Um, and it can, if you're not standing, you still get in on this if you want. Um, I'm going to ask you to come forward because today is Independence Day. And if you want to just come forward, the thing about the angel told Elijah, come out of the cave because the presence of the Lord is here. And so I'm just going to ask if you're comfortable to come forward. And then we're going to pray over you. And then we're going to sing a declaration. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come as well. And uh, just come up and just, we're just saying, this is your step that you're taking to say to these things. To There's someone here. I had a couple words. Um, 
about uh, health. Someone, uh, someone is really dealing with a real scare with cancer. God's asking you to come forward. He's asking you to come on. Let's let's uh, deal with this. There's someone who really needs a breakthrough in your thoughts. And Dell said, one thought at a time, one thought at a time, let's do this. Someone's having issues with digestive tract and it's very uncomfortable for you. And um, okay, someone's really dealing with a lot of fatigue in your life. It's just, just done, tired. I wanna quit, I wanna quit. The Lord's telling you, tell him about, tell him about that. And um, I saw someone that literally had labels all over your arms and you would just look down and at any given moment and read one of those labels and that's what you would call yourself. The Lord's gonna pull those off. He wants to pull those off. Somebody's um, uh, in, unhappy in your marriage and you're trying to make it work but divorce is on the back burner. It's a lie. So if you, by walking up or standing up or even if you're sitting there in your mind and you're just saying this to him, you are confronting your lies right now. And the Lord loves this. And what he's going to do for you now is we're going to pray that he puts the mantle on you that's yours, that he's going to speak now over your identity. And he's going to tell you, yeah, this is who you are. This is who you are. The Father's voice is never in the chaos. It's always in peace. So, Holy, Holy Spirit, thank you. We right now are confronting our lies. We are recognizing that the enemy has spoken things to us and over us and even through us that are lies. So we speak those, we hand those over to you now, Jesus. Jesus. They're yours. Jesus. And I just want you to hear his whisper back, which is how he loves you. How proud he is of you. He knows this season has been hard and you are not condemned. He is speaking life over your spirit. He's speaking life. And now the Holy Spirit comes and he puts your mantle, not anybody else's, but your mantle that belongs to you. Remember who you are, Elijah. Remember that. Remember who you are. When you walk out of this church today, you remember who you are. And you were paid for with a price and loved. And so, Father, I thank you that today is Independence Day, that you are bringing freedom, that we can walk out of here in the mantle of who you have called us to be. And so what we want to do now another part of this activation is that we're going to sing a declaration about this and you're going to go out remember all the bad things don't have to go away before you can be happy so the Lord is going to just release you through this declaration so amen let's all stand and let's sing this before we go this one chorus is going to break through something and sing it together 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.